never get out alive. Don't go dreaming. Don't go steaming. A man must rest his medal in the crooked old world. Live inside the whale, starving inside the belly of the whale today. What a song that is by the great Tom Waits, spitting out his legendary growl. And we thank you, Mr. Waits. Starving in the belly of the whale. What a very appropriate song for this podcast. And even more so appropriate appropriate is that I am starving right now. Because I am... Ending, uh, I am on day number nine of a 10-day detox cleanse. Yes, oh yes, the almighty cleanse. Uh, Why do a cleanse? Why does someone need a cleanse? Who invented the cleanse? There's so many different ones out there. Uh, This isn't the master cleanse, which I'd done before, which is the cayenne pepper and lemon juice and maple syrup for 20 days who would ever subject themselves to that? This one, uh, in particular, was to detoxify your liver. And I tell you, after last podcast, I had Dr. Sarah Williams on. I don't know if you guys heard that or not, but uh, I was feeling, uh, you know, I can't just have her on the podcast, hear all the stuff she's doing, and not see it through. So I sat down and actually had a consultation with her, and she suggested that I go on the cleanse with my wife, uh, who is just about to start the this uh, detox cleanse. So I jumped on board. No booze, no caffeine, no dairy, no sugar. Just tons of beans and fish and greens. And uh, I could have green tea. That was your only source of uh, caffeine, but uh, that didn't even touch a cup of coffee. And uh, halfway through, I realized how much you uh, I ended up just snacking on things. Like I, I, I love chips. I love potato chips. I love the good stuff. But there's none of this on this cleanse. It's just fish, beans, and hummus. Uh, and then, then you end up cutting out the even the hummus. You're basically just eating fish and uh, having these sh- uh, detox shakes that they give you. But you know, essentially, you're cutting out all processed foods. How much fun is that, right? And uh, you know, the no beer was not a bad thing until I played at the chicken box on Friday night. And uh, I don't know, I was craving a beer. I almost broke, but I didn't. I wanted a beer so bad I could taste it. An ice-cold Sierra, Nevada, but I didn't cave. And uh, I hope it's all worth it. Uh, You know, I guess the concept of this cleanse is to let your liver get a break. You know, it's sort of like putting your uh, liver in a sauna flush out all the toxins, and then uh, by taking these shakes, you sort of pee out all the free radicals and all the bad stuff that's been stored up in your body. So you're just kind of flushing your system of stuff, which makes sense. 
I honestly think the purpose is just make you super irritable. But uh, I guess, you know, a cleanse is good. If anything, it's an exercise in willpower, you know. And how much willpower do you have? Can you do it? Can you quit something for a little bit, for a long time, one of your vices? Uh, it's healthy. It's healthy to go out there and try something new. And speaking of new, right? Today's episode is sponsored by Island Insurance Agency. Island Insurance is a boutique insurance agency that takes their clients' well-being seriously. Island Insurance Agency provides homeowners, commercial, auto, workers' comp, liability, life, health, and long-term care for the residents and business owners of Nantucket Island. Island Insurance believes that exceptional customer service, including extended hours of availability, is the starting point of any good business, and Island Insurance methodical examination of individual policies are what the Nantucket Island community should expect from their insurance agency. Look them up at 02554insurance.com or give them a call at 508-221-1584. Island Insurance. That being said, this is rolling on, keeping it new, right? And speaking of new, another smooth segue. Another smooth segue brought to you by Island Insurance. Imagine if I did that, plugged it in every every time I could get that in there. <laughs> speaking of smooth, their insurance is smooth. No, but uh, what I meant to say was, wow, I couldn't have planned that transition any better, right? So basically, let's get to brass tacks here, Nantucket. Over the last four months, I've gotten hooked, become addicted to the game of squash. And I knew about uh, squash. I knew of the game from my time at Avon Old Farm School, the boarding school there in Connecticut. I attended briefly, and uh, it did. I, I think it had a squash team. No, I definitely had a squash team because that's how I know about it. And I just never really gave it much thought. I didn't know much about the sport. just kind of seemed like another preppy country club college sport. Duh, like lacrosse is, is not. Anyway, go figure, right? Nevertheless, uh, it just didn't seem appealing to me. And uh, I would go to the Westmore this winter, and I'd see these guys as a whole crew of guys that were would play squash in the morning. And uh, one, you know, I was just going up to the treadmill, doing the Typical old boring workout, doing the elliptical maybe. And uh, Joe Galena, good man, was like, hey, Doug, play a game with us. Just give it a try. And uh, I did. And I got hooked immediately. Played a few games and just bam, overnight I, I just fell in love with this sport to the point where I just I couldn't wait to get to the gym to play. It's just such an amazing competitive sport, and there's so many different aspects of it that make it just fun. It's just fun, competitive, battle it out in the court type sports. Yeah, you know, I guess I had just always thought that it seemed like it was a racquetball kind of thing. But uh, and I get it too. If racket sports aren't your thing, maybe uh, you're not into that. But I would say if you ever have an opportunity to play it, definitely give it a try. Because uh, it's like awoken this competitive spirit that's been in me. I hadn't competed like this probably since I played lacrosse at Gettysburg back in the day. And uh, it kind of brought all this competitiveness out of me. And I love the, I just love the dynamic of the sport. It's, it's one-on-one in a court. And uh, I just love it. I just became addicted to this, the game of squash. And uh, through, through the game... Uh, I met Wayne Davies, which who is our guest today on episode 48. 
Wayne is a uh, world champion real tennis player. He's also a, a competitive croquet. <laughs> Two of the most elite sports you could get, right? But uh, Wayne was a great guy. I met him at the Westmore, and uh, he he really has had a super interesting life. The minute I started talking to him, I was like, I got to get this guy on the podcast. He's perfect. He's just got, you know, he's a world champion of real tennis. And I think we'll let, uh, as you listen to the episode, you'll hear him describe what real tennis is. It's sort of like uh, tennis, but it's done indoors, and it's actually older than uh, actual tennis. They called it the King's Sport. We had a great conversation. Wayne is, is a really fascinating guy, lived a very diverse, interesting life, and uh, now he resides here on Nantucket, and he's the uh, racket pro at uh, the Westmore Club. And that's how I came to meet Wayne, and that's why I decided I'm putting you on the podcast. World champion, real tennis star, he's a squash expert, and a croquet, competitive croquet uh, participant. So that's just interesting, and I, I love talking to him, and I, and I learned a lot, too. A lot of the history of where uh, that word comes from, the word squash, uh, among other things. But uh, let's just get to it, guys. Wayne Davies is an, an awesome, awesome dude. Glad he's out here on Nantucket. Let's go to episode number 48. Can you believe it, guys? We're, we're at 48. Love it. Inside the Whale keeps moving on. Moving on, we will with episode 48. Wayne Davies. Let's do it, guys. Let's go inside the whale. Guys, now you might whale. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises! Obsession. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. That, Wayne, get up there on the mic. There. On, I'm there? assuming this is your first podcast, right? No, no, no. No. Listen, I, I used to work in the, uh, the the internet industry for four years, and when podcasts were first starting. Gotcha. Is then, that in Australia? Yeah, and that was in Sydney. And they used to get up, and the, the stuff used to do. Right. Just, yeah, way before... This kind of, kind well, it's of pretty cool. They have it simplified. I mean, it yeah, I doesn't know. get much simpler, which is actually kind of cool, which that's kind of the beauty of it. You can just sit there and a laptop, a mixing board, and two microphones. You're ready the to way go. go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? And the, the technology's advanced so much, so that's one of the things that's been really cool. But um, let's just talk about Wayne Davies, the legend. Where <laughs> you, you were just away, right? Where were you? I was um, down in West Palm Beach playing in the Croquet Nationals. Right. And then I went for a, after that, I uh, went and ran a tournament at the Aiken Tennis Club, which isn't tennis like you think. It's, it's called Real Tennis. Real, which is what we're going to talk about. The, <laughs> we're going to get into that because sure. it's, the, uh, it's the king's sport, as, they call, as it's that's called, right? right? right. That's right. Officially, I did some research on Ooh. real tennis. There's quite a bit now on the, on the There way. is. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll get it. We'll have to uh, flush out some of this. But sure. uh, you come to me via the Westmore Club where you've been... You're the athletic director, per se? Yeah, yeah. I, I always have trouble actually defining my, my, my role. But it, I, I'm basically in charge of all the sports there. Yeah. And, and they've sort of grown from when I first started, from, you know, you know, say 150 members. Now there's like 500 members. And yeah. my job description is like way different. 
It's so interesting. How does someone get into uh, the sport? Your, your main thing is squash and croquet and well, real tennis. It, it, yeah. Um, I started off when I was young. Basically, you could just play tennis or football. Right. Did both of those. Yeah, we should get in that. Where did you grow up? In a place called Geelong, uh, south of Melbourne in uh, Australia. So it was a, a relatively large town for Australia. It would have been about, when I'm growing up, say 100,000 people. It's kind of hard to believe. That's pretty big. It's pretty big, but check this out. My kids always laugh at me. Um, you know, uh, the, ho- the horse and cart delivered the milk, right? And in the middle of the night, and, and we didn't have any, no refrigeration. It was an icebox, literally. So, you know, big chunks of ice would be delivered, and you'd have to carry, you know, the guy would carry them into the, to you. Yeah, you had the icebox, man. Oh, sure. Had, icebox, man. Yeah, and, uh, you know, outdoor <laughs> bathrooms, you know, and, right. and the guy came around during the week, carry all the slops out, and, and, and that was with 100,000 people. So Yeah, that's a big job. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my wife always laughs at me by saying that, you know, I have more in common with her parents or her parents' grandparents. Her parents parents so it was pretty rural or just rustic kind of? It was just rustic. Well, we didn't have things. You know, no automobile for the first five years. My dad used to, so we'd, we'd sit on the bicycle and he'd drive, he'd ride us around on that for a long, long time. No TV until I was like about eight, you know? Gotcha. You know? Now, were you playing sports at that age? Oh, what, what were the sports? In- he had two choices. He had, he had tennis in, in, or in, the, in the summer. Well, you actually, you could play cricket, but my dad was right into tennis, so that's what I played. So that's what you started playing. But my real love was Australian football, and still is. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so wild. <sighs> you know, that stuff, when I watch that on TV and you see the, the hits, you know, you're talking about NFL-type hits with no pads. Yeah, but the NFL is far more warfare. You can't, to hit somebody in, in Australian rules, in a, in a way it takes bravery itself, whereas NFL is like, to me, it's... With all those pads and spearing with a helmet, it's kind of wussy, you know. I if you want a rabbit hole, like uh, YouTube, um, Australian Rules Football, like greatest hits. Oh sure, then yeah, that's <laughs> those hail mary passes. Oh. The big the thing in say the NFL here, you can't touch the guy until he actually hold, has the ball, right? Right, right. But in, in Australian Rules Football, no. If you're running with the ball and eyes on the ball, you can you know, in the Balls within, say, you know, a few yards or whatever, you can hit the other person. Right. So, you know, if you're running with the ball, right. look out. It's, you can, yeah. can okay. get hurt. So, did you start playing Australian Rules football as a kid? Oh, yeah. I played 12 years of Australian Rules football. And, and, I'm no physical specimen, as you can see, <laughs> skinny. And, well, and I was just going to say, so <laughs> your build leads yourself to it. Kind of, you did better with uh, racket sports. Yeah, but but uh, no, well, I, I was a pretty good player. I'm not a superstar, but I was a good player, and, and um, I was in the what they call the seniors team, you know, and, and played for my the best one of the best teams in the local area. But when I'm 19 and 20, you know, once you get hit a few times, and you know, you get. Okay, well, then you suddenly realize I better take up <laughs> another sport. Are they doing anything for concussions in that sport? You know how oh, the NFL no, 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 is no, doing stuff? Oh, no, 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 you're way more, uh, it's much more transparent than here. You know, huh. it, it is, uh, there's also not the, uh, the, all the so much money in it, or there's not the, it's not a college game. You play for your local area rather than your, your high school or your, or your university that you're attending. Gotcha. So after, did you go to college in Australia? Oh yeah, I went to uh, university. I've got a, I'm a chemist, organic chemist. So that's your that's your uh, that's educational, my educational background. Educational background, yeah. 
Wow. So you went from organ- organic chemist yeah, to... Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I actually worked for the World Health Organization for a while. Really? Can you believe that? Yes. Where was that? Like, so let's go back. So you start in college? In college, and, 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 and uh, we were making long-chain... Um, what was it? Norgestrel was a thing. It was the first uh, women's oral contraceptive. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? really? Yeah, really. And uh, we were feeding them through rats' livers to see how long it would take to break down and all this kind of stuff and we were making we were making long chain uh, molecules to attach to the main the, the main compound which of course if, if you attach more things to the to the hormone it will take longer to break down in the, in the body wow oh it's really interesting so yeah it is you you were working for a pharmaceutical company no the world health organization they sponsored okay. it. they sponsored it in through the university so gotcha. That was, that, was, that was good fun for a and while. And then you just testing labs on contraceptives. Yeah, <laughs> and then then I then I was a, a teacher, a school teacher, and did got a um, they call it a diploma of education. Where was it in Australia? In Australia. But all this time, I'm basically just playing squash. Or just all I, I'm doing, you know, a lot of people would see it like I uh, you do your work and then you squash or your sports, your pastime. Well, it was the other way around with me. You know, I was like playing squash and putting up with having to do this work. So when would you play? You'd work during the day and then just go... Oh, in the morning, at lunch, and at night. Just, and, and fitted the work in when I could. Well, when... So when did where did the real tennis come in? Well, I... We should uh, explain what real tennis is. Because there's, there's a very big distinction. It's a huge Give distinction. us some of the history behind that. Oh, well, supposedly it's been going for, you know, a thousand years or so. Or so. Um and uh, whereas tennis, which is better known as lawn tennis, was invented, I think it's 1875 by Major Walter Clompton Wingfield. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> On the lawns uh, in, um, in England, when, when the, the rich people in England started having these mansions with manicured lawns, well, then somebody took a net copied from real tennis and that just is so cool to me that like (laughs) someone had the presence of mind yeah to do that to do that that said look at this lawn what if we put a net here and then we get some balls and then we'll figure out how to hit the balls over the net that's right and 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 remember there's a lot of things that had to be put in place you couldn't play on lawn unless you had a rubber ball now a real tennis ball is is as hard as a baseball yeah i was online i was reading about it said it's like a cork type yeah not really cool it's like uh, bits of material wrapped hard around each other. It's hard. It's hard. It's, as I said, it's as hard as a baseball. And all the professionals make the balls by hand. Part of my job when I was being a real tennis professional was to make the balls we play with. So you had to make the ball. You'd tie it in a, like an old golf ball. If you took one apart, you could see there was this geometrical pattern of string around the ball that made it round. And so and guys t- would f- figure out different patterns to make their well, ball. Well, you'd get taught the same way. But then you had to get felt and cover the ball and then hand sew the felt over the ball. I mean, it's very laborious. Yeah, it sounds like fly fishing. <laughs> right, but you had to love doing it. You know, but let's, let's take a step back, though, back to real tennis about its history. Um, maybe you've heard of high lie. Yeah, Okay, so high lie and real tennis were the same sport, exactly the same sport in, say, the 1500s in the Pyrenees in, in, in Spain. And the game split and went, the game that went north to Paris, they put a net in the middle of a high court. 
And that, oh, so it was initially just the two guys throwing. Well, he, he, yeah, yeah, exactly right. So it split there. And once you had a net, they started using a wooden uh, bat. And, and you can still see them using the same kind of bat in higher life. And it's got a roof running around three sides of the wall. <laughs> the hard thing for people to get used to is that the court is asymmetrical. I.e., one, one side is not the same as the other. In in, uh, in in both in both uh, higher lives, not and, and and nor is it in real tennis. So it's not I, the pictures mm, that I looked at. The court looked you, similar. You, you didn't look hard enough. <laughs> so um, one side is vastly different than the other, and you only ever serve from one side of the court. So if you're left-handed, it's somewhat of a disadvantage because I'm a right hand is going to be serving to your backhand all the time. Wow, but it's all, but it's a slight. It's it's easier to serve if you're a left-hander because you you've got to serve down the roof and the ball comes off the roof into play. Okay. And if you've ever wondered why it's called the service, it was because in the early days it was beneath you to put the ball into play, so you got your servant to initiate the rally. God, these little. Uh, aristocratic uh, <laughs> idiosyncrasies built into this elitist sport. Oh, that's right. And, and you, you can hardly get more elitist. And, and by the way, here's my key to um, athletic success. This is the key. Choose elitist minority sports. And then you're done. <laughs> so, croquet. Even though in Australia, it's not elitist at all. Well, I want to get to croquet. Yeah, I want to focus but, on real tennis, okay. though. But, but my point is, though, um, you know, how many people are playing real tennis? And if you want to just focus in and be a, be a maniac at, at getting good at something, right? Just choose something that no one else is doing. These niche kind yeah, of oh, yeah, it's great. real tennis is yeah. definitely now it's a very specific, small community, I'm oh, sure. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. There must be less than 10,000 people playing. But they just had the World Championship in Newport, Rhode Island. And, you know, there's 100 grand up for grabs. And you're a world champion. Yeah, in 87 to 94, I was world champion. Wow, I feel like I should... <laughs> Clap. It's, it's the fir- first world champion we've ever had on the podcast. That's awesome. That's I mean, that's yeah, look, look, it's really cool. But look, I always I laugh at myself. Like you know, if McEnroe had been playing real tennis, I'd have been, I'm not going to be beating him if he'd put in as much time as I did. What's the? Uh, I guess I haven't actually watched a real tennis match versus mm-hmm. a, a your traditional tennis match. Well, for or, a start, you'd have no idea what's going on. You, you, you have this long rally and they call out the game score and you go, who's winning? <laughs> right. Because they do everything backwards. The biggest thing, the key to the game is if you look at a court, there's all these lines over the court. And they're marked in one yard area uh, distances from the back wall. So three yards from the back wall at the service side, there's a line running across the court horizontally. If I serve the ball down and my opponent hits a clean winner uh-huh. and it lands on the number three line, Okay. It's not a point. It's called a chase. And then they, so the second bounce was on the number three line. That would cause you to change ends. Maybe not immediately, but it would cause you to change ends. Right. And now that chase is decided. A, a chase is somewhat, is call it a, a pending point. So when, I, when we change ends, immediately he is going to try and stop me beating his chase that is he serve it down to me and every time i hit the ball the second bounce must be behind the number three line 
Right, okay, and that's wild. So, so yeah, I'm restricted. Well, I'm restricted now. Have you ever heard the expression "cut to the chase"? Yeah. There you go. Oh. I've got a cut. So we got something out of yeah. real tennis. Let's so, cut to the chase here. Cut to the chase, right? <laughs> so, so um, it, it, it's amazing when the, there's this big net behind the server as well, and if ever you hit the ball into the net, it's your point. So whenever whenever the chase was say a yard. Right, which is yeah. just one, right? Then you wouldn't try and win that on the floor because you couldn't consistently make the ball bounce in that one yard area. So you'd, right. So you'd built the ball as hard as you could. And I was timed at 140 miles an hour. Your serve? No, no. My return of serve. See, that I know that the serve is coming to a serve. That was a nice spot. numbers drop. How, yeah. What was it? 140 miles an hour. That's actually pretty freaking fast. Oh, it's fast. But it's a bit, a bit bigger area than the tennis court, so it's a bit longer. So you have a bit more time to see it. But the fact is, you you don't want to get hit with a hard ball about a, a little bit smaller no. than the tennis <laughs> and traveling at 140 miles an hour. Um, you know, you'd break off and you'd break. Was that your strength when you were at oh, your yeah, peak? Oh, yeah, 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 well, well, I'm trying to get a feel for your style of okay, play. Okay, my style of play, I used to always, and I still say, look at what everybody else is doing and do the opposite. Okay. So, so I was told... Get the ball bounce in the corner and place a nice little shot across there. I just built the crap out of the ball as hard as I could every time. And people would say, it's not tennis, it's not tennis. I'm like, well, you're losing, pal. Bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. then, and so just built the ball to start off with, if you could. Now, it just so happened that I was brought up playing tennis on grass, which the ball comes through very low. The real tennis court right. does too. Real tennis court is made of cement, or old courts have flagstones, and the ball would shoot along the shoot very low. And so, if you had a big topspin shot like that, you you wouldn't hit, you, you couldn't play like that very easily. You, you you can't do that kind of shot, and combine that with all the years of playing squash that I did all around the place, then it was it was ready. Did made. squash come first before the real tennis? Oh yes, I was, uh, I accidentally joined the Royal Melbourne Tennis Club. In, <laughs> Accidentally. Right. Accidentally. Well, well, I was playing squash in, in the state leagues and the the captain of the team, my, one of my, my best friend, a guy called David Wallace, who's a neurosurgeon. Wow. And um, he said, oh, let's all, we won, the, we won the, our grade. And he said, well, let's all come across and join my club, the Royal Melbourne Tennis Club. And that club saw me play. And by the way, at this stage, I had you know long blonde hair, and you know it was just you say black, I say white for sure every single time. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and they asked me to to be the squash pro, and so I threw in teaching, much to my mum's. You know, I was a chemistry and math teacher so in, at a high school. Yeah. Wow. And so I threw that in. Did you like teaching? Again, it was a way so I could play. Squash, <laughs> right? Because I was living it. Because it made me live in a place in Melbourne, and and uh, I was uh, I was just tuned into sport, 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 sport. And was your sport. father a good athlete? He, he was fast as a wind. Even when he was fifty, he could run faster than me. Really? Um, but at different times, you know. My dad, he was an angel. I tell you, my dad, I never heard him swear. I'll give you a good example of my dad. I was playing a squash game and he never he used to play his own sport and he wouldn't come and watch very often. But one time he came up to Melbourne to watch me play this match and I just annihilated my opponent, okay? And 
I'm expecting my dad to come, oh, well done, son. And he goes, well, that wasn't very nice. And I, what do you mean? His mother was watching. Oh, yeah, I got you. <laughs> I'm like, I, <laughs> he's, well. <laughs> different from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I read a good quote once. And it was like, um, do you, do you, do you step on a man once he's down? Yeah. Now the answer is only if he looks like he's going to get up. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And, and that was that, that was your style. That of play? was my style of play. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so so then back I've kind of forgotten where I was. You were just talking about well, just uh, how squash between starting with oh, yeah. squash so, and then so, going to but real now tennis. Now in squash, the way you really play squash is you, you've got to volley everything if you can, and. and um, just look to annihilate your opponent, stand your ground. You know, it's uh, gladiatorial. Yeah, and, and, it and, is. And believe it or not, now I only weighed at this stage, you know, if I was 140, 145 pounds, that's all I was. And you're playing big guys. but Size look, doesn't matter. Size that's doesn't the cool matter, thing about I know. the sport. And, and, and you know, and, and they, it, it was really in-your-face kind of stuff. Now, real, you can't get more of a wussy game than tennis, really. You know, you, if you remember McEnroe was screaming at everybody, you know, if you tried that out on the football field or the, the squash court, you, you'd pretty soon end up with a blood nose, wouldn't you? Yeah. You, you'd be, pretty soon you'd be put in your place. Where, so, you know, you get onto the, the, the uh, real tennis court and just start running around, hitting everything as hard as you could and doing the opposite of, of, of everything, taking the ball, ball on a volley all the time rather than letting it bounce. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's kind of like winning ugly, but no one had seen that for a long, long time, and they didn't know what to do, and and people wouldn't like playing me. They, they, I've had professionals over in England where they had to pay for their own rackets, which were expensive. They'd start off playing with their broken rackets because they didn't want to. They, they, the match would cost them a lot of money because they'd break their rackets. So did, were you at the point where the t- the teaching you started getting good at squash and started playing tournaments on the weekends and then it just kind of Oh, I'd like... done that all along in squash. Um, no, but what... I'm, I'm just saying I'm trying to get the transformation when you were like, you know, I, I want to make it a full-time oh, okay, career. So, okay, so what happened was at the, at the Melbourne club, I saw these Englishmen come over for a big tournament, right? These uh, professionals. And I took one look at them and I thought... These guys, you know, they're okay, but they're no athletic specimens. If I couldn't get good at this game, you know, is it rivalry like the Aussie UK thing? Oh yeah, the, they, sure, of course, everywhere. But but that was more. It's more an internal thing, gotcha. right? And you can much more will come on about that. Later. Yeah, later. But, um, so I said to myself, I'm gonna I'm gonna start playing this game, and. and uh, and that's where where I I started. So I slowly just started playing a few. So games. it was squash first. Squash first, but yes, yes. Okay, and then and then it trans transferred. Transfer, so who introduced was, you to real tennis? Well, that's my buddy David Wallace. Because by joining this new club, they got me to be the squash professional at that club, and that club had two real tennis courts. Because it's you know there's not many real tennis courts around in the world. You know, maybe fifty, maybe I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, it's it's really kind of an obscure sport. Look, really. You couldn't get more obscure, could you? You know, um, and it seems to me that from what you just told me about the rules, they in te- they basically tennis they just dumbed it down. Oh because, yes, oh, because there's all so. these little idiosyncrasies that exist within the the point system. Yeah, of real tennis is. Well, let me tell you, real is tennis tough. is a beautiful game. It's just exquisite, right? Um, I don't know if you play cards, but bridge is to me is exquisite. Whereas you know you could play 
you know, game 500 or... I have trouble counting Wayne, so... Or it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 people always say chess to drafts, you know. It, it, but right. but in reality, people say, how do you how do you play real tennis or court tennis? You get out there and just hit the damn ball and, and you know, hit it. Yeah. And, and, and it's a game where initially it's quite difficult to, to time the ball. Your racket is asymmetrical too. That's another thing I forgot to tell you. Yeah. So it's not... It's like a tennis racket bent out of shape. And so it's a little uh, obtuse to try and hit the in, ball in, with In it. France, it's called the jeu de pomme, game of the hand. Now, if you look at your hand, it's it's not symmetrical. And so it, it's almost like a pea if you follow it over your thumb. Yeah. So that's what the racket is sort of shaped like the hand. Huh. Yeah. So, so that's where it came about. And then when did you actually start winning, like, the world championship what's the setting like is there 100,000 people in a stadium watching no, you play no may, may, maybe a couple of hundred maybe, maybe. In, the, in the first world championship I played was at uh, Hampton Court Palace you know in, in um, at Hampton, Hampton Court yeah Hampton Court yeah. I lived in the, in the palace for, for like six months it's great wow yeah um, were, we, this, were you working or just yeah, doing... as a real tennis pro oh okay it was great because you know you come straight in and after hours all the guards would let you in and just, it's pretty wild when you think about it. Yeah, the tennis pro lifestyle is pretty... It's, oh, it's, it's like it's a golf pro, right? Well, it, it was like an old-time golf pro where, um, you know, you play tournaments four months a year and you hang out at the club. Do you ever get sick of just, like, giving people, like, pointers? <laughs> like, oh, God. Not any, well, look, that's an interesting thing. Do I, do I get sick of the service industry? Yes. And that's where... The, <laughs> well, but see, look, you're, you're a member of the... the to say the, the Westmore Club, do I look like I'm sick of giving you pointers? No, no, you see, no, that's why you're here. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's different. I, I get sick of having to smile and not say what I really think. Whereas with you, you, I can just kind of tell you you're a dumb fuck or whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, that's good. I mean, that's the way it kind of it should be. But I would think people you'd want like someone, an instructor, to tell you that. And it's amazing to me, you know. Like I've just been uh, so I, I I don't know if I told you this. I in college I was a lacrosse player. Right. I was fairly competitive in, in college, and I, I haven't really competed like the way it felt back in college squat, until now until now until i <laughs> picked up that stupid squash racket yeah and i am so fucking addicted <laughs> to the sport i just that can it's great isn't there it? is it it is such a phenomenal uh just chess match it's everything you'd want in a sport right put in this little cube the competitive nature, the uh, hand-eye coordination skills—all these things just came back to me. Yeah, plus, you can you can really improve quite quickly, can't you? At that game, um, you can, and it, it's got a. It, it there's a. I think it's it's almost primal. There's something about hitting oh, yeah. the ball no, against the wall. No, no it's, it's very gladiatorial. I, 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 you know, like it, it's a it's like you know basketball is not supposed to be a contact sport. Crap! Squash is not supposed to be a contact sport. Baloney! You gotta, you do, you gotta take your ground. So I, I have a stupid. Where's I don't even know where the where does squash come ah, from? The name. There's a, yeah, all right now. In the debtors' prisons in the 1800s in England, they started playing a game called rackets. Now rackets was used, used a hard ball. They play up against the wall, and believe it or not, the game spread from the prisons to Eton and Harrow. And so they started playing rackets in these. Are you shitting me? I'm so not, this this yeah, okay. sport that's a, the most elitist sport in the world <laughs> yeah. started in prison. Yeah, yeah yes. Now let me that's keep a, going. That's awesome. So they played rackets was played with a hard ball like a golf ball. And by the way, you know that's another game I, I played and got to a high level at rackets. Um, and and um, 
Then What's rackets? What's rackets is like, imagine a, a court that's, uh, say, let's say it's twice as big as a, as a squash court. And it's all cement, polished cement, as is, you know, uh, most good real tennis courts. And you, I'm going to Google it. This is the beauty of the park. Yeah. I can Google so it. So the, rack, the rackets ball will go, I would say, 160 miles an hour. It's a sm- they play with a small golf ball. And the, 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 the rackets racket is longer than the squash racket. And you can, it's it just the most thrilling game you can imagine hitting a ball. It just goes off your racket like as fast, you can't believe it. And it became so popular uh, in, in, in these. Uh, oh, wow. I'm, I'm just, I just pulled up a picture of the racket court. It literally looks like a prison cell. Oh, yeah. It's all black. And, and, uh, and to tell you how fast. So this is the precursor to the squash. Yeah, to tell you how fast the ball goes, when you're above the back wall, say, let's say it's 12 feet high. And, and, and it's quite a long way to the front wall. Well, sometimes the ball comes flying off the front wall over the back wall. And these seats have all got these big pock marks of the ball hitting the seat, you know, big indentations. And, and it's very dangerous to watch if you're at the front, if you're not actually watching. Because you can get hit, you can get... And <laughs> it's, going, yeah. it's going flying. And, you know, it's coming out off there, you know, 90, 100 miles an hour maybe, little golf ball hitting you in the head. It's not going to tickle. No. So, getting back to the story, though, the game became so popular, they started building these smaller courts to warm up in, and they started using a rubber court ball, and they called it a squashed rackets court. And and that's what the the association was, the Squash Rackets Association. So squash is is just a warm-up for rackets. Ah, okay. Right, and and, uh, rackets was played all around the British Empire in... in, uh, India and, and and so it's taken all around the world and of course therefore squash too you know they play in good players at squash uh, you know, Egyptians Indians New Zealanders Australians Canadians English. yeah and so that that's kind of it is kind of a very international sport yeah but it's mostly played and the best players are good old British Empire yeah <laughs> right <laughs> so that's what it all came from to start off with tea, tea and squash it is such an amazing sport, though. I just I, 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 I can't what, get enough of it. I want like what people can't appreciate is just how fit the, the best guys are. You know, they're, they're, they're ridiculous. They'd have they'd have, you, they'd have to be the fittest people in the world. You know, it's it's you know it, from from playing field sports, playing lacrosse. It's a very uh, it's spurts of energy. Yeah, you know, and it's got that intensity of you're you're constantly pivoting and turning, and then you have that chess match and back and, and forth. So, uh, I just got a tip from that guy Simon. Yep, he was uh, telling me about. Um, you know, he's like, you need to like. I I I was all when I started. I would just play for the kill shot, and we weren't really playing squash. No, because the way we play would just we'd play for the point every time. But you, when you really start to play, it becomes this dance. Oh sure, of, yeah, and, yeah. and then you're just trying to set the person up and starting yeah. to get those little nuances. It's almost like you, you want game. them to get the ball back because I want to run you into the ground, you know. But I, we were just playing. We just play for the kill every time, yeah. playing for you know. You do if you can. It just depends, you know. Once 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 you reach a certain level, you can't hit winners. That's the thing. It's hard to believe, but you can't hit a winner against a good player. Yeah, it's and it's it's such a thinking sport because you're constantly trying to think of where's my next shot. Well, what's what am I going to get on this shot? So you have to think on the. I don't know. It just. Yeah, I, it's a funny thing, you know. It, 
if if you're thinking you're going to lose, it's got to you've got to have done it a, a million times. And it's like I think any sport, you've got to just got to react. You've, you've got it's got to become second nature. Yeah, yeah. You can see in between the point you can go, oh, don't do that, right? But then when you're playing. You haven't got time to think. But I hadn't, like, my brain since I played, you know, in college hadn't thought about, all right, who am I playing? What's this guy's weakness? Right. What's his strength? Yeah, it's how, do I, how do I, how, this guy, all right, his serve, you know, always putting me here. How do I return a serve? I don't think he can get, you know, just that aspect to me, I hadn't thought like that. And it's not a, it's not a team game either, is it? There's always, no, it's, it's, very, it's just, you know, tennis and, and, and squash are individual games. Yeah. And I, you can get in the. I love getting in people's head, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh sure, that's the beauty of gamesmanship. Oh, yeah, that's the best, isn't it? Yeah. I guess that's why I've just loved it so much. It's become <laughs> it's become something that I, I haven't competed like that in a long time, and just I'm. Just, and you guys, you know, the group of guys you play with. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I it, it's like a brawler version that's of squash, right. man. But, but, it's but, hardcore. But see, I this, you know, if you can imagine for for almost twenty years, I worked in such an environment as that. I worked at the, the most spectacular club in the world, the Racket Club in New York, all male, right? And it was just a big fraternity. It was just a, so you must have let be because of the squash world. You must have met a lot of big time because big time CEOs and oh sure people yeah yeah you know. and people who think they're really tough. You know, do you ever play any celebrities? Well, how about well, of course, of course. Well, who have you played? Well, let's say well, first of all, there's the Prince Edward. And how about how about how about no shit? How really? about how about Nirohito, uh, you know, Emperor of Japan? Really, you played him? Sure, we're giving lessons to them. Um, you know, what was he like? Oh, he's a nice guy, but they can't hit the floor with their hat. You know, they, he's not uh, athletic. No, but look, Prince Edward's not too bad, and he's really good for the game. And you know, he, he, you know, but you know, they don't they they can't put the time into it. Well, they're so busy, right? Yeah, but, but there's lots of. Being Lots a prince of, and all. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. uh, but look, eh, politicians everywhere, left, right and centre. Um, uh, let me think, you know, Mick Jagger came and played squash there. Whoa. Was kind of, you know, That's pretty cool. You, you know, saw him. Did you give him a lesson? I didn't give him a lesson, but, it was, but, but he was there playing with one of I'd imagine he's pretty athletic. He's useless on the court. Really? Yeah, but of course, I mean, I've, I mean, he's definitely again. Like, well, he's such he's a pretty wiry. Like he is a build. Is five foot six. He's probably quick. I would imagine he'd be quick and like. Yeah, but so, 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 he was okay. But it's like, who no, was good? Out of celebrities? Yeah, no one. You know, gets this <laughs> straight. You know, oh, no one. No one. Look, the, it's hard to imagine. Um, I want to believe Mick Jagger's awesome. Yeah, you might want to believe. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but when even you know, Yvonne Lendl tried to play squash for, for a long time. Right? You, you know. Yeah. And yeah. He, no, he couldn't do it. Really? He, because he squash is a game where you throw your racket more like a throwing a, a ball. Whereas if you remember his style, it's all from the shoulder. You know, he's hitting with a straight arm. You cannot you cannot generate the racket head speed uh, with a straight arm. Oh, that's crazy to me that someone with that. Yeah, but but he, but when you think about it, who's hit more balls than that guy? I mean, he was a legend. Uh, he, he just he, to go from one style to another is it's it's almost like it makes it harder than a normal person. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's it's so interesting though. I mean, it is. It's just got there's so many dynamics and components to it. That yeah. You just. Uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll talk more about squash later. Let's get into the croquet, the world croquet 
another aristocratic sport. Well, look, I'm going to say... I mean, honestly, I played croquet like hammered like three times in, <laughs> in the backyard with some friends. But croquet is a, it, it's a... It's one of those great games where it's in, you know what to do instantly. You, you, you do, but then... It takes forever to do it. <laughs> yeah, you know why it's a great game? Because it's the only game you can play with a cocktail in your hand. <laughs> right? Look, look, get, get, get it straight. I am, am not anywhere near as good as the best players in America. Right? Who is the best, who's the best player in America right a now? A guy called uh, Ben Rothman. Ben, if you're listening to this. He's playing it right now. There's the equivalent of the Davis Cup being <clears> played out in Palms, Palm Springs, California. It's called the, um, oh, how can I forget it? Shield. McRobertson Shield. Yeah. And if you go to croquetscores.com uh-huh. <laughs> and you'll see it, you'll see the scores and the commentary and all that kind of stuff there. But croquet is a game of patterns. Uh, I just love practicing by myself. I love doing the, just doing it, getting it perfect. And that's something like court tennis or real tennis and croquet, <coughs> you, you can practice by yourself. Yeah, hours, hours, and hours, and hours. It's sort of like Billy to can practice. So, what is it? Give me an idea, because I, I don't really know croquet. Yeah, well, imagine the well, colored balls you're knocking through the, yeah, so the you're, wicket. You've got six wickets or hoops, whatever. It doesn't matter what you call them, and um, you've got to take both your balls around. You you go around in a clockwise direction first, and then an anti-clockwise direction second. So you've got six hoops, so it's twelve points per ball. And then you peg both balls out. So it's first to 26 points wins. And you've got to do that before your opponent does. Gotcha. But here's the trouble. You know, how good are you at hitting a ball at 15 to 17 yards away? It's not that easy. Yeah. Now, these guys like Ben Rothman and, 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 and lots and lots of other good players, they'll make zero mistakes. Zero. It's like it's in, incomprehensible to me that, that you know... So it's like these little micro-adjustments that these yeah. guys have that oh, can make and, their and, game and, amazing. Yeah, that's right. It's, they just never break down or never make a mistake or never miss a hoop. Or they're always one foot in front of a hoop. Now, the hoop, by the way, is ba- you may as well say it's the same diam- same width as a ball. It's not like you've got these big, wide gaps. No, no, no. They're into the ground solidly. They won't move. And they're the same width as the ball. So you better not be too far away or at any much of an angle because you're not getting it in. Yeah. And these guys just again and again and again make no error. And it puts so much pressure on you. Is it quiet at like a world championship? Is it when, when people are playing? Is it very quiet on the... Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's not much noise, but you can talk on the sideline. It's not. You can, okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if it was like golf no, no, where no. everyone's like really quiet and... Well, it looks similar, but you can chatter away. Does a guy make a living playing croquet? No. No, not close. They're all... Is there anybody that makes a living? No. You can be a croquet pro and teach people. You can make a living doing that. (laughs) Case in point. (laughs) Yes, but um, um, not many people do that. And there's not many, you know, there's not many good croquet pros, in my opinion, because most of them are just people who are good players and try to bring people along they haven't really thought about it and one of the good things about me being a going through a diploma of education is I think I, I learnt to break it down better you know how do you how do you do a stroke well there's many different components to it and you've got to recognise the many things people do wrong yeah 
Do you think that these sports, squash and croquet, they'll always sort of remain sort of aristocratic type sports? They just have it built into their no, again, again, country club can type we, things. Can we take America, America as being different, which is quite obvious these days, by the way? Well, in Australia, croquet is not an elitist sport. It's played by all kinds of country bumpkins. Really. Oh. The, the council owns the clubs. Here's something that's interesting. A lot of the clubs around Australia now, they, they mostly people who have retired play all the and, and so you have these these lawns that aren't manicured, not like here where they're just right. they're, they're you know they can be quite ordinary. But say four o'clock comes along, well, a lot of school kids come in and these retired people coach them as for their schoolwork. Okay. Oh, it's fantastic! You know, they're mentoring, they're doing all this stuff, and so. The local towns have said, "Hey, this is really good, so we'll support you financially." Okay. And and uh, croquet is a big growing sport in Australia, as far as I've seen, because more lawns are being put up everywhere because it's a, a community-based thing. Huh. Okay, that would make that seems oh, there you fantastic. go. That takes out that element yeah. of. It's kind of like a little while ago, I had a great member of the club called Kevin Luzak, and he sponsored. Um, I'll call it community squash and I was mentoring kids at squash we do their homework first down at the Westmore Club a big table there and after that we played squash it was fantastic for the kids yeah that's a great idea I mean there's definitely a lot of cool things you're going to take away from doing that you know oh, especially yeah. just the, the any sport for that matter it's that's just right. the, the, the practice and the repetition of just getting uh, you know your skills down and your hand eye and when it comes down working at something and being work getting, is right and, and saying well know, we first of all you know let's do, let's do our school work let's finish it off and as and I was a school teacher so I could help them a lot and then let's get into to this um, but let's get back to elitist sports well in America tennis is elitist I mean you know country club set you know how many people play tennis you know it's starting to to, to be a bit more broader where you have community courts but really it, up until recently, if you didn't belong to a country club, you know, you, you, you didn't play tennis or you didn't play, certainly didn't play golf. Uh, um, squash was restricted to universities and then you'd have the university club playing squash and they've got the old courts and things like that, right? Yeah. So, 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 so it becomes very stark in America. Hmm. But in England, New Zealand, Australia... No, it's a, squash at one stage, when I was playing it in the 70s in Australia, it was a number one participation sport in Australia. Wow. And you'll never guess what the number two one was. What was it? Lawn bowls. Really? Yeah. And Just, the, is that bocce? <laughs> no, lawn or? bowls. You play with a big biased ball on, on, on a, a big green, a bit bigger than the croquet lawn, and you're all in whites. And, they, and it's again, it was a right retiree sport. Look, there's another one to look up, lawn bowling. <laughs> but... In an obscure odd, sports. Well, well, can't be obscure if it's the number one participation sport in Australia. Yeah, but but no, we don't pay attention to Australia. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's <America>. not true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Those no, no, it's true. Guys. You don't. No, it's hard to. <laughs> but uh, they gave us midnight oil. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> what else? What other great things from Australia? Oh, ACDC. Yeah, that's right. ACDC is Australian, aren't they? That's correct. Mel Gibson. Well, you can have him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think he's doing, done too well <laughs> for the Aussies. So how did you, what's the, what was your trajectory to, from uh, 
England to how'd you end up in Nantucket? Um, my wife. There you go. Classic case. Meet, meet a girl, marry her, and uh, well, I was married before, but but my wife's family was always tied up. They came to Nantucket quite often. And when did you first come here? About eighty-five. Doing what? Girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> I meant like what were you doing? Like work? Well, where were you work? I was working at the the racket club in New York City. Okay. And so I had a, in the summer, the, the club sort of slowed right down. I was able to take a lot of time off in the summer, so I came up here then. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. What was the like? Uh, growing up, a racquetball was huge. Racquetball is not. Is, is it still big or is it? Racquetball was never played in Australia, and it was was like his brow just furrowed. Yeah, He's I, getting, it's like, I, I mentioned a four letter word. Don't ever mention <laughs> racquetball. It's kind of like you know, you know. Don't mention racquetball. It's ever. like <laughs> ever. It really is a look. People, um, look. All sports are good. Some are better than others. How's that? And uh, racquetball doesn't come. Well, did, has it died off? I don't know. It seems like I don't. I don't well, know well, anyone well, that's like a. Well, we've got to. How about I'll put it this way: the squash court in, in America was different than the squash court in the whole rest of the world. Yeah, I know. You're now you're frowning at me. Why? Uh, was... Well, America's had a, a way of, uh, of changing dimensions and stuff all all the time, you know. Um, and for some reason, they changed the dimensions of a squash court and also changed the, the type of ball. It used to be much harder. But then uh, in the 80s, squash was introduced to the Olympic Games as, as a, what do they call it? A, a trial sport or whatever. Right. And instantaneously, the old hardball squash, as it was called, died. Huh. And then all universities and colleges in America, if they were putting in squash courts, they put in international size courts. And then all the old clubs, the, the old men's clubs, the university clubs and all that, suddenly had to change their narrower hardball squash courts into international size courts. Cost them millions of dollars to do this. But now you don't see the old game. And the, the, the last vestige of the old game is a double squash court where they play with the same kind of ball, hardball that they used to play with. Yeah, I've played right. with that. And that really hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But look, in my opinion, though, the old hardball game was a great game. You could hit winners. It was, more, it was less reliance on fitness and more on stroke play. So did racquetball, was that really... Uh, racquetball was, was played... invented? Well, it was invented. They played, they played quite a lot in Canada and, and on, you know, on the East Coast and West Coast, too. And there's still some places left where they do play it, but it really... Has really died, and it never took on anywhere else, than, but America. Really, I can't remember seeing it in Australia. I'm sure it was there, but it, I can't remember a racquetball court. Because remember, a racquetball court doesn't have the the tin, right? Yeah. And, and you can you can hit you know, it felt funny off the off your off your, if off your racket compared to say hitting a squash ball. Yeah. It, it was got a lot different. It seems to be a, a sort of antiquated now, but I guess. It is. It was a trend, a, a racket, oh, sure. a, a racket history trend. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, people. You know this kind of game, paddle tennis. You play, you play that. I have. Yeah, I mean that's fun. That's fun. It's fun, and it's good to get people out there. But, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't do to do it for you, does it? No, no. Because <laughs> no. no. there isn't the. Uh, I guess I go. It's pri- something about squash to me is primal. Oh, no, again, get it back. You're closed in. I, 
I've broken two guys' noses. I've had many fights on the yeah. spot. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Not a problem. You know? <laughs> over lets? Oh. Or just... Oh, over lets. You but, call that a let? Yeah, you know, well... And for people that don't know, the let is the equivalent of someone calling a foul when you're playing like three-on-three three with guys and uh, some guy's always calling a foul. I remember, uh, remember one time I bit off more than I can chew when a guy sort of pushed me headlong into the wall and I dropped my racket and, and nailed him. And trouble was... <laughs> this oh yeah at a country club yeah. I love it I love it a, a brawl at this country it, club it was at the Hawthorne club <laughs> of course <laughs> and, and where is the Hawthorne club in Melbourne Hawthorne is a suburb of Melbourne okay and, and trouble was I, I took on this old army guy he beat yeah. the crap out of it's funny we, we finished we wipe up all the blood right and we, and, and, and we just go on with the game and then after the match it's like oh wasn't that fun Jesus, <laughs> throwing throwing haymakers in a squash court. <laughs> we need to bring that back. It's part of the. That's how you settle a grudge oh, match. Well, hey, you know. Um, so we get to Nantucket in '85. What did you no. What did you start doing when you got here? It was just you know, holiday time. You know, so I would I I used to take long weekends, and so you could do the re, kind of reverse commute. So we I drive from uh, from New York City to New Bedford. And take the plane in. By the way, New Bedford, bring back your flights. <laughs> they have fl- Cape yeah, Air flies out of there. It's so hopeless, so. Yeah, in the old days, it was the, the you could just they'd have it every hour. Just you'd, uh, I forget who it was. There's so many airlines that have gone through. I know, but this is what you said that in the old days. This is what I wanted. Uh, yeah, eighty-five. <laughs> eighty-five. Uh, tell what was Nantucket like in eighty-five? What was your take on it? When you, what did it feel like to you? Oh, it's like kind of tinsel town, isn't it? Kind of, it was like the first time you meet Nantucket, you, you you're like, wow, this is this is kind of cool. And but but I was here for the beaches. I just I just I just hang out at the, my comet and just you know that was so good fun taking a six pack out and and uh, just going to have drink and beer and, and and watching people fish and when their lines bent, then I'd fish. I, I was never one to go and just cast and cast and cast. Right. But just, if they're catching fish, well, I'll just jump out with them. <laughs> <laughs> Look where the guy's catching fish and go there. Yeah, that's right? right. That's right. Or just drive out there. And But I used to also, I was big into kite flying, and, you know, four-string kites. Yeah. And I'd just be out there flying my kite around, and it was great fun. It is pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Flying a kite is fun. I'm going to have to do that this summer Oh, it's good. With, but do, with a four-string kite, though, then that's... Yeah, that's the... The one that you can just you can absolutely make it stand still. Are you really into kiting? Do you have like all different types? And I I used to. I haven't. You know, there was a we. I went when I, my wife and I and family went back to Sydney for, uh, you know, eight years or so before we came back to Nantucket. And then my kite flying sort of disappeared. But I've, I've just I've just resurrected it. Well, I found it the other day, and I'm like, yeah, that's what I've got to do again. I'm sure there's probably a kite flying association. I've in never America. seen one. <laughs> you know what? There must be. Yeah, I'm sure there's a subculture for everything. You know, it's. <laughs> There's probably a Facebook page, Kite Flyers of America. But I get it, you know. So when did you move here full time? Uh, 2005. Oh, okay, so that's actually not that long ago. That's right. Well, well, it's 12 <laughs> years. That's long enough. <laughs> it's like, well, it, well I, I moved here. I was the very first person employed by the Westmore Club. Number one. Gotcha. And uh, I, I moved here for that job. Nice. Yeah. See, I, I'm a huge fan of the Westmore. That's oh, great. That the winter membership is just awesome. Oh, it is it's, really good. It's worth every. It's a little pricey, but it's worth. See, every I, see I say to everybody, penny. it's cheap as chips. 
where could where on earth could you possibly have those, have the, have facilities. those facilities and only pay a thousand dollars? You guys have got it made. I mean, let's say you pay a thousand dollars, right? Well, the summer members pay let's say eight thousand every year just to be just for the dues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like no, you can't, you cannot beat what they've got there. And and you started the program there. Yes, yes, the tennis program, and, and there was no croquet there. And how I got into croquet was basically the day I landed, the, my boss said, here, here's tickets to West Palm Beach. You've got to go go and croquet. <laughs> <laughs> so you flew down to West Palm? Yeah, and got taught there. Wow. Yeah. And then started, came back and started teaching there. Now, That's right. And now you're going to world champion. Do well, you, are you competing? Oh, I just did it. I just competed in, in the nationals. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do too Look, What happened? I lost so many tight matches. It drove me crazy what happened. Normally, in the past, if I've lost, you know, you lose twenty six nothing or twenty six nine or, whatever. but I lost to the eventual winner, like you know, twenty one twenty or, or, I'm losing all these matches by getting pipped on the post. I'm like, it drove me out of my brain. But how do you handle loss? Are you the kind of guy like, are you think in bed at night? Are you thinking about shots that you missed or? Oh my like, god, yes. You, you can't you, let but, it go. Well, you can. I've got better over the years. Um. That's, a, that's an excellent question. Um, in, in court tennis, for instance, I, w- I couldn't, wouldn't sleep at all. If I lost a match in, in real tennis, I'm not sleeping that night. No way. And oddly enough, it didn't make any difference to my next day. I was chirpy, bright, right? Whereas I would have thought I'd be really tired, but never worked that way. In croquet, uh, it's so annoying. It's, it, but as you get older, you, you kind of try and talk yourself I don't know if they, I don't know if you lose that though because I, I you don't it, you, you don't but you can control it better you, but therefore though I think you're worse player you start but this is I guess it's more a uh, an example of how we kind of like hang on to these things because it's important to you because you like it and you're competitive but even in it, it carries over like I was just thinking last night we played and there's this one we screw, I screwed up this one section of a song where yeah. I was playing it and, I'm, and you got annoyed right and it and that's the crazy. kind of stuff when I get home I'm like oh, I'm focusing on this one part of the song <laughs> that I screwed up or I missed a change yeah. and I'll obsess on it and even like this morning I'm like ah oh, I feel well, like go and practice I it. feel like the gig wasn't that good because I'm focusing on these this one little section that I missed which I know in the scheme of things isn't well it's the way you be, isn't it the way you get better I mean you're not going to do that you've got to practice it so you don't do that yeah oh, that's, that's, exactly that's, 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 you're only going to learn from that um but that's a really interesting thing. I always think you've got to, to be any good at anything, you've got to wear your heart on your sleeve. I used to come across people and they'd say, oh, look, you know, I'd like to win. It doesn't bother me if I lose. I'm like, that's baloney. I always think if it makes you, if you've got a number line, right, and there's zero, if it makes you this happy to, to win, it's got to make you an equivalent amount of unhappiness if you lose, if there's... That's why I think think of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you're not, I think you're fooling yourself. Yeah. And geez, it hurts to lose. And the reason <laughs> people don't have long careers is they can't handle the losing enough. You start losing to people you know, you know, as you as you're getting old. You lose to people you know, you kill when you were younger. Yeah. And that that especially if you don't like them <laughs> you know that hurts it hurts a lot and and you know do you enjoy playing enough to put up with the pain of losing yeah and you know sometimes the certain people i guess if you everyone has a a, a 
a window of athleticism, you know, and some people's have bigger windows of athleticism and that can propel you further in a sport. But, but it, like golf is what it, it's so different from sport to sport though, because golf is one of those things. And I think squash is indicative of one of those sports that you don't have to be, you, you know, you can be skinny and tall and you don't have to be necessarily maybe as you know, physically one, as one, one, one thing I've always, I've learned Never look at a guy and say, think how good he's going to be. I remember playing really in a quite high league squash and a guy come in with a big beer belly. And I go, oh, this is going to be too easy. And I was right for him. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, you know, and you look at me, you know, skin and bones. And, geez, this guy wouldn't be able to hit the ball hard. Well, you know, so you, you, you don't... It, it's a very, very difficult thing. Plus, you know, my, my brother, my younger brother, Craig, was just... A gorgeous athlete, looked fantastic, you know, unbelievable cricketer, you know, just could do everything, you know, but didn't want to train that hard. Hmm. You just got to, you know. Didn't want to do the work. Well, some, the you did in. to a point, but but you've got to you've got to obsess. I think you've got to you've got to live. You've got to be the, you know, you know stupid, be the ball. You, right? <laughs> right? But you've got... Be the ball. Yeah, you've got to love what you're doing and love it more. And love the ball. Love it. Yeah. Be it. And, and live it. If you, you know, if not, someone else else out there is going to do it and they've trained it a little bit more than you have and they're just going to want it more. That's a good lesson. Yeah. You know, it's true though. Anything, you have to. It is, and anything. I, like anything you do, clearly you're passionate about it. You wouldn't be. That's you know, right. You can't. You can't do it. it. But anything, anything. I'm. I love vegetables. Growing vegetables. You do. Oh yeah, I got, you know, love it. And I big thing. What's your best tomato? Tomato guy. I, yeah, I grew grew tons and tons of tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's learning about it all and everything. But and and uh, but whatever you do, if you want to get good at it. You gotta immerse yourself in it, right? Yeah, and I've done. You know, for me, squash was just. I mean, I'm like watching YouTube videos, and I'm. Yep. I'm. I really love going into the uh, the court by myself and just working on my hey, backhand. Uh, you laugh at this. Like right now, a buddy of mine says, "Oh, Wayne, this is what you've got to try. You've got to try Indian clubs." What's that? that, that those, remember that those uh, wooden things like ten pins, ten pins, and you swing them all around your body. Yeah, and you can do all these intricate patterns. Right, and I've been doing that for, you know, just a little while, and I'm, I'm, that's that's my latest obsession of what I've learned all these patterns. It's just, you know, you <laughs> wake. I don't know if you're like me, but you wake up in the morning going, oh, why don't I try this? Actually, I actually totally agree with you, and yeah. I think that uh, I've always in my head like, you have to be. Uh, excited and curious about things and I think that people get stagnant in life and I think sure. if you can figure out explore new things keep learning try new things if you don't keep evolving as a, as a human being I think you get very yeah. stuck and that's when yeah, addiction and all those other bullshit stuff here's comes what in. I always say to you myself have to try new stuff is what I say to myself if I'm bored it's my fault yeah there's something out there that I I know that'll and just it doesn't Usually it finds you. If you know well, that's so funny because I was I was bored in the gym. Yep. I was fucking bored. Yeah, yep. I would go up and I do the the treadmill or stairmaster, and I'm like, I didn't want to. Yeah, why am I lift. doing this? Why am I? You now you're doing it because. And then and then I and then you know, Joe, 
Joe invited. He's like, come on, just just play a game. Joe and Sean and those guys were That's like, right. come on in. I started playing and I'm just absolutely just became now, addicted what, now. So it's like I would, I can't think of anything I'd rather do. But this is what you should be doing now. Or surf. Because you've got a, um, you know, a bit of a crook knee, right? Or leg, haven't you? Just a little bit there. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. you know why? I got hit by a car on this right leg. Right. That's so funny what, you notice that. What, <laughs> what I'd be doing if I was you, I'd be going, right, I've got to get fitter and stronger. I'm going to get on that treadmill. And I'm going to run and get fitter, and I'm going to annihilate these your friends. So you, you train for a reason, right? Right. I yeah. used to do all that, you know. I, I could never beat the guy, the world champion, in, in the early '80s, and I trained. Who was the world champion? A guy at that called time. Chris Ronaldson, an Englishman, and um, I did all. I did every. You can't believe it, transcendental meditation. You, you do all these things, right? For the for the aim of just beating him. So yeah, it's it's uh, and you ended up beating him. Yeah. When was the first time you beat him? 1984. There he is, Chris Ronaldson. Yeah. Real tennis. Real tennis champ. Great player. Very very uh, cerebral. Uh, did a real up for the game. Is that him? Uh, no, that's a, that guy on the left is Rob Fay. He's the guy who beat me in the final, in the world championship. He only just lost. He was he's probably the best ever player. That guy. Yeah. Yeah, really, really amazing player. So do you still play real tennis? Well, I just came back for a week running a tournament in Aiken. Uh, I haven't played for three years. As you can see, there's not a court. The closest court to here would be either Boston in Hereford Street there, the, the, the court there, or in Newport in the Hall of Fame. There's yeah. a tennis court there too. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a game that, that uh, it, it takes practice. You know, you just can't walk in and, and, and win in. I've always got mixed feelings. Would I like to keep coaching or playing that? And you can have too much on your plate. I think I'd much rather just keep it uh, at croquet. What's can, the age? I mean, could you compete at any age? Is like what's, they, they, what's the average? Do you think like it's just like tennis? They have all the over age groups. If you want to, if you want to play in the veterans, you know, over seventies, mm-hmm. you can you can play. You can keep playing forever. So, so it's uh, it's not like it's not like a lot of sports. Squash is very hard to play once you get old. Yeah, on your knees for yeah, sure, yeah. and your ankles. Yeah, and, and you know, I've just I'm just still re- I'm six months into my knee re- replacement. And it's feeling much better, so I don't know if I can. Be- you play? Are we going to be able to play? No, I think so. Pretty soon. I can't wait to get back. I mean, I've <laughs> I've had you know this is probably five months now. I've been playing since the Westmore Open. I'm, I'm you're dying. ready for the next yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready, ready for me. <laughs> I'm ready for you, Wayne. You know, well, I'm, there, I, I'm, I'm feeling there. ready. And I'm feeling pretty good. Well, it's certainly nice to. You're another. I'm just blown away that there's always so many amazing people out here. I you're definitely to. one of these people that just you know uh, Josh Gray. Oh, he's a great guy. Great guy. He, he yeah. was uh, Josh was like you have to have. <laughs> Wayne Davies on the podcast. You have to get him on. Well, there. Josh is another amazing person himself, isn't he? Yeah, totally. And yep. uh, he was right. So I'm glad that we did an hour. Is there anything else you'd like to say to Nantucket? To Nantucket, I'm just um, come what play I say? a life in the courts. Y- yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> or maybe that we can push for outdoor courts somewhere. Outdoor squash courts. Do yeah. they have them? Where? Uh, there's some in India, I believe. Oh, but, I but, thought but, you meant here. Yeah, no, but you, you could do it. I mean, squash courts. Here's what we push for. School, come on, to put up four squash courts, we've got all the grounds around. How about having... Nantucket High School doesn't have a squash team, right? No. It'll be easy peasy. Where are there squash... Other than the Westmore, who has squash courts? Well, there's some private ones. There's a court uh, associated with the Great Harbour Yacht Club in Nobody Farm Road, and there's various private 
squash courts. Do you know? Do you have access to those? Ah, uh, no, no. Look, You're like I'm going to bring this guy Doug over to your house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But but we, you know, if can you imagine if it, if there was a four court complex, a, a, a public four court complex in in on Nantucket, it would be used all the time. Come on, it really would be. Probably. Well, uh, I don't know. Some people listening might be like, "Ah, you're kidding yourself." But I don't know. Well, I always thought a bowling alley would be a well, no-brainer here. Right? I don't know. I hear that, but I see. There was when I first came to Nantucket, there was still a, a bowling uh, bowling rink. Again, I, I think it was. A, I never went there. I think it was uh, where the Nantucket gym fitness thing is. You know, out on the. Amelia Road. Yeah. Brown Road. I think that's where it was there. I mean, having a bowling alley seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, look, you put them both together, eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wayne Davies, a life in the courts. World go. champion, real tennis star. Woo-hoo. Westmore, tennis pro, squash pro. Croquet pro, yeah. It's a racket. He's your man. Thanks, Wayne. That was awesome. No, no problem. Good job. Yep. There you go, baby. In the cooking old world Starving in the belly Starving in the belly Starving in the belly of a whale Oh, you're starving in the belly Starving in the belly Starving in the belly of a whale There you have it. Wayne Davies, world champion, real tennis player, squash pro, all around awesome guy. Wayne, thanks for taking the time to sit down on Inside the Whale. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you guys maybe have a better appreciation for the sport as I do. Love it. Never thought I'd be a racket sport kind of guy. But see what see what Nantucket's doing to me, people? Do you see this? Hey, listen, it's healthy competition is healthy get out there sweat it out whether you're hitting the road or playing against someone in tennis or squash it's all good trying something new i guess that's the gist of this episode get out there and try something new something that uh maybe you wanted to try but you never had the time or balls to do just go do it right try something wayne thanks that's it i'm gonna keep it short thanks again to island insurance for sponsoring this episode guys get out there Daffy Day's coming up this weekend. Have fun. Put your yellow on. Get your liver ready. <laughs> All right. We'll continue to starving in the belly of the whale.